You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He is a three-time Tony Award nominee who is currently performing as the King in Only Gold at the MCC Theater here in New York. But he was the original Rum Tongue Tugger in the original Broadway production of Cats. So welcome, Terrence Mann, and thank you for joining me. Thanks, man. Nice to be here. I'm excited to have you on. I know I've, I've always kind of jokingly put t- Tugger as my answer for everything. So it's the name of like, if you actually look at the actual name of my Instagram and for a long time I had it as my email name. So fan of your character. And I love <laughs> talking to the original Broadway cast because my first question is always just what was your experience with the show before as I talked to everyone on tour and everyone who's doing it now because it's been mm-hmm. on for so long. But as someone who helped originate the role, you, you know, you created a lot of this stuff. So I love to go back to the beginning. What, you know, what was that process like? What was, what was the, like, what was the mindset of when you got brought this project originally? And it's, it's like, someone's like, Hey, you're going to dress up as a cat and you're going to just basically, you know, thrust your crotch at everybody and run around stage and be this kind of rock star. Like, did that resonate? Like, what was that like back when that happened? Cause it's now it's common, but you know, whenever it started, it was, it had to be kind of a bizarre thing to get asked about. Well, it was in the beginning, um, people had seen the London production, some mm-hmm. people that were in, in, I was in shows with and they had come back and they had said, wow, I saw this show over in London called cats. And I went, what do you mean cats? Is it was based on, um, you know, it's based on book poetry by T.S. Eliot. And I went, wow. And, and they, they explained it. And you still kind of didn't understand it, but that you walk into the theater and that all of the set was like cat size. So you were reduced to being the size of a cat. So the whole environmental experience of it, number one, was kind of new to, to I think, Broadway anyway. Um and then, um, it, I mean, uh, uh, like auditioning for it, you know, it was a, that was a whole nother thing. I make a very long story short. I, um, I, I couldn't get an audition for cats in New York. Um, and so I, uh, I flew to London 
and uh, um, and through some friends over there, talked my way into an audition while they were doing a put-in rehearsal for some new cats in in the show. And I saw the show the night before my audition, which was like I think April the sixth. 1982, I think, yeah, because we opened in September 7th, 1982. So, um, uh, um, so I went in and basically did the audition and uh, I, I, I talked my way into it, got into the audition, audition for Jillian Lynn, had seen the show, so I knew what, what it was. And it was just, at that time, it was, it was, to coin a cat phrase, magical. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. unbelievable. It was so, um, <laughs> surreal, uh, and you know, uh, trippy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then you got all this choreography and this kind of pop rock music. It's Andrew Lord Weber. So, you know, I come back to the States. I find, I hear back. I got the job. And then, uh, um, we start to do the rehearsals. And about the time we started to do rehearsals, they were releasing. Tickets to the uh, to 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 the uh, for the theater, the Winter Garden, and uh, I think the the initial when people bought those tickets, it was like a five million dollar advance in 1982, which today would have been like I don't know twenty thirty million dollars mm -hmm. advance. So my first thought, you know, was like. Wow, I'm going to have a job for a couple of years, which no yeah. actor yeah. <laughs> ever ever thinks that about a show. You know, you knew it was going to it was going to be a juggernaut. You knew whether or not the critics liked it, it was going to be a hit with the with the with the audience. So that was that was the first uh, blush of what what was going on. And then we get into the room uh, with with Trevor Nunn and with Jillian Lynn, and literally everybody starts. We talk about cats and you start crawling around um, and you know trying to act like a cat and a lot of people went out and bought little kitties and you know so everybody was doing their due diligence you know and trying to you know um, uh, become their characters there was a, a I had kind of a, a bad knees at the time so getting down and crawling around a lot was was difficult so I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when you, me and, and the Harry Groener, who played Monkey Strap, we did a lot of standing on the stage rather than kneeling and crawling mm. around because we both had uh, knee problems. <laughs> wow. That was, uh, which, which I liked. I liked standing up. Standing up was better than crawling around. <laughs> So I, I love that. So you you didn't like didn't even get called in for the New York. You actually flew over, and the night before you saw the show, and then you did your audition the next day. Did you audition like directly for Tugger after having seen Tugger the night before? Uh, yeah, I went right in the next day to audition for uh, Jillian Lynn, and, and she was doing a put-in rehearsal for some new cats. So I went to the Lon New London Theater where I'd seen it the night before, and got in. Like I said, through some friends of mine who helped me get in the door uh literally literally and uh I, I, the, the funny she said uh, uh i went in and i said i'm here to audition for cats and she said oh all right darling and i said is the if the uh, uh if your if your pianist is around rehearsal pianist is around i'll just do my song real quick and get out of your hair and she went well he's gone around the corner to the pub for lunch so i said oh my god so i said well i can play for myself so I played this rock and roll song by Elton John called Take Me to the Pilot. And um, 
and 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 you know, and she went, "Oh, uh, okay, I'll see you at the callbacks." And uh, you played your own audition song, correct? Well, the other funny thing was, I said I could play for myself, and she and she went, she started clapping and went, "Darlings, darlings!" Talking to the other cats, she was putting in the show. We're going to be entertained by an American. And so I sat down on the piano and played that song and then got back, you know, um, and then, uh, yeah, I didn't hear things or didn't hear anything for a while. And then for not, well, not that long, no, a couple, maybe a week or two. And then found out I had an audition for uh, the final callback in the States. Uh, and it was on my birthday, July 1st. And wow, then, I, then I found that day I got this job. So you found out on your birthday. Yeah. yeah. Wow, what a present. What a birthday present, too. I know. Uh, I appreciate the role. So now now walk me a little bit through that rehearsal process. So obviously I know there's – I've heard some, like, you know, the legend stories of it. I know there's even a book about it and all kinds of stuff about that process of of, of basically, you know, recreating this 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 show. So I know you, you said you had bad knees, so you weren't crawling around, but – What's like, how do they explain it to you the first time? Because now there's a lot of lore behind it of like, you know, there's there's enough content out there that you can kind of understand a little bit of the backstory of the cats if you're going to go perform. But for you, they were you're basically going off of what Trevor, Andrew, mm-hmm. and Julian Wynn are telling you. So like, what what was that storytelling like? How much like information did they give you on the backstory? Well, it, uh, you know, Trevor, none, um, Really wanted to create a sense of ensemble, as he does with all of his companies. I mean, when he, I think at the time he was still with the, the RSC, you know. So it, it was all about uh, creating this ensemble, this energy, this feeling, this this synergy of 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 fear and and and, and anxiety, but also celebration because um, because the story they're saying was, hey, look. We all come together one night, you know, we, re- we read the poems and what you got out of that and the way they explained it simply was you're all here to celebrate one cat who deserves to go to the heavy side layer. And then things happen throughout the evening and people get up and tell stories about like the peaks and the pollicles and the rumpus cat and all that and would get up and tell those stories that, that folklore, that, that history of the lives of cats to, you know, to generate remembering the, the power and the history of what cats do for civilization. You know, it was very, very Shakespearean, if you will. I mean, it was big feelings with, with big emotions and, and very high stakes, you know, and that, that's you know because you you're, you're hanging all of this stuff on these children's poems. So our performances had to be number one a collective where we were all on the same page at the same time all the time emotionally and uh, storytelling wise. You know whatever chapter we were in as the evening went on. So that was the big thing that. Trevor kept trying to impart. Um, Jillian was there, man. She just made all of the movement, you know, mm-hmm. and the choreography. Um, all she created this, you know, vocabulary of of what what different movements were for for each of the uh, the numbers and stuff, which I don't, I can't remember because I didn't yeah. do that much dancing. But uh, um, 
yeah, that 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 was our acting class about it. Other than crawling around like cats and getting a feel for it. Yeah, besides becoming a cat, you you kind of have. I, it's really interesting to hear you say that because now it seems like when they do the the backstories and the production of like the the rehearsals, it's a lot more of like, okay, here's this relation to that, and and yours was a lot more Shakespearean theatrical big picture and then kind yeah. of probably narrowing it in. Did they narrow down for you of like, Hey, here's what Tugger's about. Like here's his story. Yeah. You know, Trevor Nunn just came up to me one day. He's a man of very few words, but when he does speak and he speaks softly, it's always important and it's always spot on with regard to what he's asking you to do. I remember one day he came up to me when we were kind of working the number, you know, and it, you know, I, I mean, I get, and I'd seen the show the night before, so I knew that, you know, Tugger was a, was, was mischievous and he was out there to kind of, you know, uh, he was a kind of a tiger cat and he was running around. He was always, you know, getting into trouble and trying to make everybody laugh. And he was the, you know, the cut up, like the jester almost of the, of the, but he, but he was also a serious, a serious cat because he was like, um, he, um, um, he, he, he really took seriously, ultimately, the, 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 who was going to the heavy side layer. He was like, I would say he was like, like a bodyguard, maybe at, at some point. But, uh, but Trevor came up to me at one point and said, um, the Tugger has this sense of méchant. And I went, oh, that's, that's French, right? He said, yes, look it up. So I went and looked up the word French. I mean, I looked look, Michon, and it means, it means just mysterious and 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 mystical and like un, un you know like unpredictable. And that's what I kind of hung, hung the performance up. I also my my image was for, was for a Mick Jagger kind of guy. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's so. I think that's so interesting because it's like, from what I've heard, it's Tugger's. It, you know, it's such a dance-heavy show with very clear and incredible choreography in in any production. Your production, the one Andy Blankenbuehler did, it seems like Tugger's the one character where you're given a little bit of freedom. So, did yep. you have a little bit of freedom? Did you like change it up every night with how you kind of went about it, just based off of what your kind of mysterious day felt? I did, but I also was working within a context, you know, within a box. You know, I, I, I realized I could, I had room to move within parameters, you know, and that always kept it fresh for me. The thing that, that I saw in London was the guy came out into the audience, you know, the Tugger comes out into the audience mm -hmm. and he was, he was shooting people with a water pistol, <laughs> which I thought, that's not going to fly in New York City. Somebody will get will get sued. So, um, you know, so I thought I got to come up with something. So, you know, we're into previews, and I'm running out in the audience, and I'm kind of playing with people, you know, sitting in their laps, messing up their hair a little bit. And then at one point, I ran out, and the first girl on the aisle, as I went to, was young. It was like, a you know, a teenager, or maybe 18, 19 years old. I kind of went to 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 kind of you know, hold her hand for a second. And she stood up and started kind of dancing with me. I went, oh, this is what I'm going to do. So that 
that's what I started doing. I would run out. It was always in the same area, right on the corner there near the ramp. And I would run out and grab a person and we would kind of dance, you know, in the aisle a little bit. And, and everybody laughed and then they would sit down. And then it evolved into not only bringing them, getting them up, but bringing them up on stage and dancing wow. with them. And really like dancing with them. And sometimes I'd bring them up and these were people who love to take the stage i would let go and they would just go crazy and the audiences just loved it because there was one of their own up there acting like <laughs> like a crazy cat without without a costume on so uh that's what it turned out to be so i that love that very cool that's, that's so fun i i think one of the things about you know i i wasn't prepared for the the green eyes section when i saw it i saw it in 2016 so it's obviously a slightly different version um right. but i wasn't prepared for the cats to be in in the aisle way like I, yeah. I wasn't ready for that and so and our, the tugger came out and took a selfie you know the modern version of it right um, but i love the bringing people on stage and dancing with them that actually is kind of my my next question for you is i, I love hearing what other like kind of crazy stories do you remember because i know you know you, you did it for a while you've got this is pre everyone having a camera in their you know in their pocket and having a video camera in their pocket but like what were some of those things that you remember of just like oh this was that crazy experience or this is something that like everybody definitely remembered from my cast well there was a couple of times i mean um one time i mean i brought a lady up on stage and she was just having a ball and um and she, we were dancing around, and, and I turned her around, and, and and then she let go of my hand and kind of just turned herself, and then she fell down, and she literally fell down backwards facing the audience, and her legs flew up in the air. And let's just say that the only thing she had on were pantyhose. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so there was that. At which everybody applauded. So, you know, <laughs> you know, you see. And then the, the other major thing that happened was one night when Betty Buckley was going to the heavy side layer, uh, the, the, um, she was going up in the tower and the sky was coming down for the little cherry picker. And the sky has to kind of part and drop down a little bit. Somebody had forgotten to un, un, undo the safety rope. So as the cherry picker came through the sky, it just started pulling huge, uh, you know, painted plywood pieces of sky, like four or five, with it. And it was like crashing down on top of us. Nothing fell onto the stage, but it was cracking away and like, and everybody's going, Oh, this ain't right. So Ken Page, to his credit, you know, Betty Buckley's looks like, I, I got to go to the heavy side. He said, well, you're not going tonight. So he just grabbed her and kind of walked her to the back of the tire. And then by that time, you know, we'd stop the show and, and there was no curtain to pull down. So, you know, guys ran out and kind of fixed it, and then we went on from there. That it's night, she did. that night she just walked off stage to the heavy side layer. I remember yeah. <laughs> it's stage stage right instead of up in the up in the sky. Correct, correct. It's it seems like that happens. Uh, every, almost every production I've talked to has had some version of where Grizabella doesn't actually make it to the heavy side layer in some capacity. Like <laughs> the thing doesn't go up, the thing goes too high, the thing gets stuck. I mean, yep. I think that's some of the fun of live theater is you get all these like 
you know, you never know what's going to happen any night. Um, and in a show like Cats, where it's so physical and so demanding, I mean, it, it's there's injuries and there's I'm sure there was people put in an intermission because somebody got hurt. Uh, yes, that happened. I I couldn't give you a specific incident, but it, you know, and it, it, it was because of the, the choreography. The choreography was so specific to the, the cat vocabulary that Julian created. Um, you know, you got, you know, kinks in your body and muscle spasms where you never thought you'd ever have them. The other thing that was a big um, factor in why people uh, got injured or knotted up was the ball was 12 minutes long when we did it. And um, uh, not only did you do the ball, but right after you finished the ball, you didn't get to go off stage, get a glass of water, lay down and stretch. You had to like drop onto the deck while Grizabella came on for that final end of the first act thing, and yeah. you're you know people are they're sweating you know to they're trying to not breathe because you know and they have to sit there for a good what maybe eight minutes another eight nine minutes and you can feel we could just you know you just feel everything start to like tighten up so that was another not. Uh, not things, you know, place where being in cats didn't help you. Yeah. I, um, I want to hear a little bit about the, if they, if you were talking like, you know, when you did this, did you talk at all about like the relationships between the cats? Because there's a pretty, uh, deep rumor mill about you and Mr. Mistopheles, Tugger Mistopheles. And it's pretty much all of the fan fiction that's written out there is about it. So what mm. was kind of told to you, you know, in the original, productions of of here's what these two cats are are they together are they brothers are they you know lovers are they like what is that relationship um what that is <laughs> although that's that's pretty exciting uh, you know grist for the mill kind of uh you know backstory for for tugger and and mistopheles the only thing i was ever told was that uh Mistopheles is this magical, super magical cat. And he's coming tonight, you know, he's coming to pick her, be part of picking, you know, the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the one who's going to go to the heavy side layer. And because, and Tugger's always been the one to introduce him, you know, that's all. I, that's, it's so fascinating because you, that's that's like that's all you're given when you did this and then the beginning of the show and then you know now forty years later there yeah. is thousands of fan fiction <laughs> or just uh, a lot of pictures a lot of stuff about the two of them together that people have made up their own stories that right. you know everything besides the one night of the ball that you all perform it's like here's everything we we think about which is because there's a lot of questions too about the relationship with Tugger and Bombay Arena and is Grizabella Tugger's mother is old Deuteronomy the father. Like there's a lot of unanswered <laughs> questions. So I love you know, hearing like how much comes into it in the beginning versus how much is fan theory came up at the end. Well, I love that, that fans who, and I, I'm assuming most of these people have seen the show, whether they mm -hmm. saw the, the revival, whether they saw the original show or whether they saw a national production of it. I love that, that they got, that kind of a depth of relationship and, you know, and fantasy from it. If that's what they got from it, that's fantastic, you know, because it, it just fleshes out, 
you know, uh, it makes much more richer your experience with those characters. Completely. I mean, and, and I think that there's a lot of the lore lives on because there's, you know, the 98, 1998 movie was a lot of people my age and currently on tour and currently on Broadway. It was a lot of their introduction to theater was around that time. And so that's mm-hmm. like a very, um, key part of their learning was that VHS tape. Like it's, it's that, that moment. Then there was a 2016 revival. And then, you know, obviously the 2019 movie is a very different take on it. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. Different podcast. We're not getting there. Um, but, but that's, <laughs> that's where I, there's like, there is just so many productions. It's touring. It's on a Royal Caribbean cruise. It's overseas in Vienna. It's, there's so yeah. many versions that there's a lot of options and places to see it, that there is a lot of people and, and it's a vague plot. So people do fill in the blanks with what they see and what they feel which is yeah i think what why it's still you know is still so successful all these years later yeah yeah well it's it's you know it's fantastical and um i i i just always remember i when 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 that when this show when i saw the show i walked into it and i was transported theatrically you know, I, you know, I, to a place I'd never been before as a, either as an actor or as an audience member. I just went, wow, there is so much, you know, life here that is at, at you know, at, at cat level. And there's so many, so many nuances of what they do and why they do it and how they do it and why they're here and the, and that, well, well, the, and you get, you know, well, you know, cats really do run the world. They're the yeah. ones that really, they, they influence everybody's choices. You know, that's what you were getting. They, they are the universal reason we exist as a, you know, as a, on earth. It, it, it's, it was phenomenal like that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and then if, and so, you know, little kids coming back in the eighties or the nineties, whatever, you know, sitting there, um, you, it, it allowed your imagination to run wild with, with what, what, what they didn't tell you, you know, like you said, you could just fill in the blank, but what you, and also what you did get was, was left a huge imprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those shows that, you know, I, I think about spinoffs and TV that you could spin off so many of these characters into these wild stories that would have enough, you know, to go off of. And right. it's it's kind of a unique piece of that because you only get, in some cases, a song or in some cases, not even a song. Um, and you just have to kind of see where they're staged and what their reactions are. So it's why, again, why it's so successful so many years later is there's, there's so much there and there's usually something for everybody. Mm-hmm. True, true. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. 
I do want to talk a little bit about um, Only Gold because I am excited. It's coming to New York, so I hope everyone who is in New York is going to be able to see it. But there's a lot of cats ties to it with Andy Blake and Bueller. Um, I also know that I saw Tyler Haynes is in it. He's in 2016. Yeah. But tell me. Tell me a little bit about this show. I know it's new and it hasn't, you know, as we're recording this, it hasn't started yet. So, um, I, you know, was able to read a little bit about it, but it sounds kind of fascinating. Um, what, what can the audience expect when they come see it? Well, it's been Andy's brainchild for about 10 years. And, and it was the story that I got from him was it's based on, loosely based on this, uh, um, in the 1920s, this king of this country, Went to Paris to uh, to to um, to get to to arrange his daughter's wedding uh, and uh, um, to, to and to find um, with with this with this other with a count with another the the count and the the monarch of another country so that that you know that that's what you did back in those days you know your your daughter mm-hmm. married the the son of this country so you always had a good political relationship between the countries that it was, you know, and then and you fall in love later afterwards. So that was kind of the thrust of it. Um, so, but the story, the emotional story is about sort of the three, three phases of love, which is young love and the, the daughter actually, you know, falls in love with somebody else in Paris. The, the, that middle age love where you've been together and you're questioning things now. Are we supposed to be together? Should we stay together? And those, some of those choices and decisions are, are made, you know, are, are painful. And some of them, you know, you get to the other side of it. And then it's with, with older love when you've been together those 30, 40 years, which is the king and the queen. And it really examines those three aspects of life and love. And it, it couched in this, this king and queen and daughter coming to Paris to arrange the wedding for the daughter and all of the things that happened, going to find the, the jewels and the, that, that she'll wear in the wedding. But along the way, what's really happened is that the king and the queen have become so, uh, so disparate to one another. So, you know, they've just grown apart. So it's really sort of so, such a, um, you know, it's just uh, formal now. It's not even, they, they're not who they were when they were young, but they're still there because they're hanging in on, you know, um, ruling the country. But so they, he wants to make her happy, try to rekindle that. And, they so I'm not going to try to tell you the whole thing because there's, there's some really exciting stuff that you find. But anyway, they they find their way back to what it was that made them fall in love, and mm. so it's a big love story. Um, and it's done with this music, this phenomenal music by Kate Nash, um, and um, and and then Andy Blankenbuehler's unbelievable choreography and you know storytelling through dance that he's you know n- no, nobody's like him. It's it's just incredible. So um, we're in the middle of getting it done, and you know, um, I think things. We I think we start previews maybe in October, beginning of October. But don't quote me on that. Yeah, no, it's beginning of October. Um, I it's uh, I'll link all the stuff in too because I am I'm, I'm really excited to come see it here. Anybody in New York should definitely come see it. it it's such a unique combination because it's it's you know combining a really incredible. Um, 
you know, lyricist and musician and Kate Nash. And then, mm. you know, one of the top choreographies and Andy Blakenbuehler together with this like new creative show. Um, so mm -hmm. it's, it's exciting an exciting thing to see and an, an incredible cast that you have with you, um, to tell this story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, uh, I, I don't really, um, know. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so here's here's the one thing I usually do, but I haven't because you know you haven't even started previews yet. I always love to try to um, compare the current cast of the Only Gold to to Cat's characters. But so I'm going to need your help to do this so that way when people come see the show, they're able to say, okay, the king is most like I'm making this up, old Deuteronomy. So if you could name a couple of the characters from Only Gold, and then who would be your closest cat in terms of like personality? Well, I think, uh, well, I think, yeah, the king would, is, is kind of like, and eh, not really, but probably the king is like old Deuteronomy, but he's not that sort of, um, he's not that omnipotent. He's a little more proactive more human. in the, more, more human. human. Yeah, <laughs> a little more human. Um, the queen might well be Grisabella, for sure. Okay. Um, I think the daughter is more like, um, Bomb, a combination of Bomb, Ballerina, and Demeter. And then Tyler plays about four or five different characters throughout the show. And that's definitely a, a tugger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, he, he, he definitely is ripping on that. It's good. I love it. Uh, it's exciting. I, I had a blast uh, talking with him, you know, a while back. And so I'm excited to see, to see you and him and perform as, you know, taking the tugger, do more Andy, you know, for him, it's more Andy, like your choreography, uh, such a cool chance. Um, so let's go into some rapid fire, just a couple, you know, rapid fire cats questions. So sure. if you were, if you could play any other cat besides tugger, um, which cat would you want to go on for one day as? For one day as, um, um, Gus. Gus. Uh, is that, is that like the, is that the career? I've actually, I've had this debate a couple of times with people off, uh, podcasts and I've never been recorded, but if you follow the, you know, a career arc, you could really do that within cats. So you could go from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for Tugger to, a Buster Jones to a Gus or, or then to an old Deuteronomy, like throughout your career, you could do that. Sure. So is that kind of the, is that where that Gus answer comes from? No, it just comes from, I love that, that, that old Shakespearean cat. And I love the song that he sings. Gus is a, you know, a cat of the theater. You know, I love that, that, ex, that, that character. I just love that character. Mm -hmm. Gus. I love it. And then, and, and then your, yeah. Go ahead. Who are you going to say? No, I was just gonna say that I love that he turns into Growl Tiger. Yeah, that's in. Uh, it's not in every production, so it's kind of you know it depends on which one you see. Does the Growl Tiger actually um, stay? I know. But, um, so who are who would you say are your favorite and least favorite cats? So by character, not by actor or anything, but just like which personalities did you like and dislike? Um, uh, I would say I liked. Bob Ballerina. Okay. I just didn't know. I thought, and um, who I, I dislike? Well, McCavity. <laughs> <laughs> I stay true, Tugger. You know, you gotta like Bomb and dislike McCavity. I love That's it. right. <laughs> um, yeah. What is your favorite song from the show? Memory. Memory. 
Just oh yeah, that. no question. Every night, every night, whether and we, you know whether it was Betty and I was only there for Betty and and God rest her soul, Lord Beachman. Every night, that's between. It was just unbelievable, transportive, amazing. Yeah. Every night. And um, I love it. I, I what is so? Here's my final question, which is what the thesis of the show is, which is. Um, I've argued that I don't think Grizabella should be the right jellical choice. So I'd love to hear, do you agree with that? Or, and you know, if so, who would you want to defend? And if, or if not, why do you defend Grizabella as the right jellical choice? As the right jellical choice to go to the heavy side layer? Yep. So in the jellical ball, just this one year, why is she the, the, the actual decision? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I have to support Grizabella because... For no reason, it seems, everybody hates her. What did she do to them? You know, what did Aww. she, you know, that's I mean. The backstory, that's some of the backstories the fans have made up over the years of what she's actually done, gone What? Done. Yeah, I mean, and, and now she's down. Maybe she was when she was in her prime, you know, maybe she just was really snooty and looked down on everybody and, you know, didn't, you know, and but, you know, it's about. When somebody's, you know, now she's all mangy and she lives at a corner over there. She doesn't get any food, you know. And I, I, I just think she was the right choice. My, I, I still firmly believe that because I think the whole thing is is acceptance and redemption, right? That's yep. the, the theme of the show. Yep. I, I think she should go next year. I think she should get a year with her family. I think she should come back. <laughs> <laughs> have a full year with the family. Send Gus this year, or you know, or Stimble Shanks, or somebody else who's who's earned their time, and then she can go next year. But maybe she doesn't have any family. But isn't the Jellicle host her family? Isn't that the whole point? Is she left? She kind of got shunned. She kind of got exiled from the community, and right. now she's coming back. So is that not her family? Well, I, I, I guess I thought I always thought that these cats all came together as a com- collective just for that one night. But the rest of the year, they were off in other parts of England or London with their own little core. Never, you know, they, didn't, they never stayed together. It wasn't like they were a gang. Interesting. All right. Here's, here's that, a new, all right, that's a new take. Cause I, I, I love, I love anytime I hear some kind of different variation of this because that's right. what makes the show so great is there isn't a, a one answer. So you're, you're saying that they, they're basically, their own independent cats. They're just this one time, this one night. It's not an annual thing. They don't come together next year. Well, they oh, I, they come together every year, but but they are you know cats are independent. You know, I think every one of them goes in uh, during the year. They don't. They go and live. You know, maybe one goes and lives in Scotland. Maybe one goes and lives. You know, down in down in Cornwall. You know, they don't. I, I that's my take on it. That they don't. They only come together to this one cat thing you know okay so they're not family they're 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 independent and they they come together for their sacrifice once a year correct and then they go back their different ways and then they come back again that's that so that definitely changes that question then because i that would make that that would ruin my argument that she needs to come back with her family because if she's coming back then she would be she would need to go because otherwise she's just going to go back to, to nowhere you know there's gonna be nobody leaving with her that's right. That that's my take on it for sure. Okay, I can buy that. I don't think I'm I'm ready to change the name of the podcast, 
<laughs> and defend her every time. But I do think that I'm going to be thinking about this a lot more than I would like to admit when we finish recording. Right. Well, I'm just now what all the birds on this look like. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if there's any dialogue or any part of the poetry that indicates that they all live together. You know, I don't think there is. I, you know, I, there's a couple that it's clear that they're together. Like Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser are clearly right. – they'll go off right. together. Skimbleshanks goes on his own way on the tra- on the trail. Like, That's right. Um, so, like, there's that. I I just always assume there's McCavity's gang and Bomb and Demeter are kind of in that. So you're, you're right. I don't think it's very clearly stated. There are definitely a couple – but it doesn't make it seem like they are living together the entire time. It's it, you. You've got you've got a point there. I'm I'm not sure. Again, I'm going to think about this for a, a lot more than I I want to, as I now right. try to figure out how I can make my argument against Grizabella now under this circumstance. Right. Well, and you got to remember, it's it's a special occasion for them to come together. They they all had to anyway. The case, Jenny Annie Dots had to come from a long way away. You know. I mean, it's uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, again, this is what makes the show so unique is that I've heard, I mean, we're 80 plus thing and I've talked to probably 50 to 75 cast members and everyone's giving me a slightly different version. And that's what makes it so fun. Cause you, you know, I, I know you're all learning, like everyone's being told it's different, slightly different version, even in the rehearsals compared to, you know, there's obviously some very key core concepts, but you have to play it a little different every day. And you have to think about some of those things to, to make the, the moments that happen on stage happen. Yeah, you do. Yeah. A lot of filling in the blank, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of backstory in your own mind about this. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, I will share the information on Only Gold uh, in in this uh, you know the description for everybody in the podcast. But how else can people stay in touch with you of what you're doing? You know, um, coming up and anything else you're you're working on. Um. Well, I don't. <laughs> I'm not a big Instagram or Twitter or Facebook person. Um, but I uh, I just finished doing um, a, a TV series for Apple TV Plus called Foundation which uh, the first season came out a year ago. We just finished shooting the second season. That's going to be a while before it comes out. But uh, uh, for those of you that may have seen it before, first season, the second season is just unbelievable. It's off the hook amazing. So it'll be out um, a few months from now, I think. Amazing. So that's on Apple TV. And then mm-hmm. anybody in New York can come see it at the MCC Theater. Um, with I think the uh, they are starting in early October Correct. For, um, for the show. Right, exactly. Well, well, this has been amazing. So, thank you so much for for coming on and sharing some some fun stories and crazy stories, and and of course, giving me a different version to think about of cats now, which is always good for my my own health of trying to now <laughs> rethink through this story in a different lens. <laughs> glad to glad to glad to open up the open up the windows on another on another look at the cats. Yeah, another angle for me to Another watch. angle. Nin- 1998 movie again now watching it from this way. Um, yeah. I love it. So, thank you for for being here and thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of the Ron Cat Died the podcast breakdown of the Catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at the Ron Cat Died or check out our website theroncatdied.com.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> 